Hello and uh, welcome to the Football Hipsters podcast. Uh, technically episode three, you could call it episode God knows what if we're following on from the old days, but we're going to call it episode three and episode two of the individual interviews uh, pods. Um, as we discussed last time when I sat down with Josh to talk about English football, we're going to try and sort of plan out a couple of these individual pods with our um, co-collaborators and, uh, and discuss some football that is or isn't happening. Um, I'm sure listeners tuning in will be excited to know that today we're going to talk about the football that is happening um now i'm not sure if any of you are aware because it wasn't pro it wasn't sort of broadcasted anywhere and there certainly wasn't any talk in the media or on twitter about it um but quietly the Bundesliga came back last weekend i know i know it's, it's a real surprise to me as well um but all jokes aside um we have got football back so of course we had to have Drew on this week. So, Drew, it's uh, it's morning. You're a tired man. Um, yeah. How are you feeling? I'm good. Apparently, I'm now an inductee into the French underground because I'm a co-collaborator. So, oh, okay. very very nice. I'm good. very excited. <laughs> no, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I've, I've created a new phrase there, co-collaborator. I'm going to use that in the future. I'll use that for Lana as well later on. So, um, <laughs> yeah, good times. Um, firstly, it's great to pod with you again yeah. um, on a one-to-one basis. Feels like forever. So, uh, we're um, we're going to waste no time. Then we're going to we're going to jump straight in. Now, we we talked a bit before um, about this pod and how we wanted to do it, and we just kind of really wanted to spitball a little bit and just talk about kind of the games as they were, the general experience, rather than go through individual matches. Um, but we will start with Dortmund because, for obvious reasons, really, obvious reasons. team close to your heart, and and the fact that that was probably the the big the big match of the weekend. So they beat uh, rival Schalke four 0 Before we sort of go into the the uh, the performance, and, and I know there's a little rant you might want to go on about a certain individual. Um, <laughs> what what was your general experience of of Bundesliga coming back? Um, you know, it was built up about football's back. Everybody's excited. Yeah, I don't know how I, I I'll save how I felt, but how did you feel about the whole experience? I honestly, I wasn't a massive fan, and I, I put it into the into the group during and, and post match. I just felt for a match of this stature, you know, to have no supporters um, at Signal Duna Park, and just you know, it just felt very weird to me. I don't know. I just it, it feels. So it still feels kind of forced, um, and there's a large section of the German population um, through you know media voting said that they necessarily didn't think that Bundesliga should be rushed back. Um, I'm all for the leagues coming back. I feel like the whole process is really fleshed out, and, and credit where it's due. I think Germany has done a, a decent job trying to really figure out the ins and outs of how to get this going to, to keep the players safe, and I appreciate that 100%. I just feel like for me, a league that is so, and rightly so, touted on the wonderful fan bases, the way the grounds are, um, the pageantry behind it, it's very weird to watch it without that support, especially at a ground like Dortmund's, which is, for me, one of the, the top five in the world, without question. Um, all bias aside, of course. <laughs> so um, it's, it was just very, very weird. And it didn't help that, you know, I was, I was sitting back and wondering, as we I, I still sometimes think that certain clubs are better prepared for a scenario like this than others. And I do wonder if, and this is a whole other discussion for another time, obviously, but I do wonder if that'll sort of reflect itself moving forward. A club like Dortmund is, is, is growing quite big. Um, their infrastructure, the way they're run, the way they're handled, and obviously Schalke are no 
small club on their own, obviously. So this is pertaining to them. But if, if you look at it, how well are, is a club like Paderborn going to be able to, to cope with, with a scenario like this? Um, or even smaller clubs. You look down in the lower divisions, a lot of them aren't able to cope. Um, even trying to push forward to get that money revenue streaming back in, they're not really set up to deal with maybe a scenario like this. So um, I just don't think that was necessarily factored in other realms. But I think Bundesliga, because it's so reliant on TV revenue, they had to come back. The bigger clubs can can sustain and, and maybe pitch in and help others as well, but it, it, it's difficult. I think they're put into a position where they don't really have a choice. But that said, I still think that it's just such a weird experience watching football without fans. It's, it's, it was like watching a closed door training match, really. Mm. Um, and a, a lot of times, the quality reflected that. Now, obviously, that's because players are not coming back from, you know, they're not they're not fit really where they should be they're not in the form they should be and i think that reflected in schalke's performance particularly mm -hmm. um dortmund are actually relatively crisp in certain areas despite the layoff so that was nice to see but um it's going to be quite tricky moving forward maybe essentially to see how other clubs cope but it was nice to see a little bit of football it's just it's just so weird for me you know it's just i can't get past that personally so yeah no i i felt the same way and and, and something that really opened my eyes is that i I've always been like a lover of the game and the technical side and, and the tactical side like yourself, but it's amazing how, like you say, just not having that atmosphere and, and not having that fan base and the, the excitement, the kind of the thrust, like the thing I thing I love about football is you, you can, you can be watching a game, but maybe not concentrating on it. And then the reaction of a crowd instantly turns your head and you're like, Oh, what happened? Like, yeah. and, and you get that, that sort of that spike of energy or when, when a ball hits the net and the crowd goes up, you just kind of, you, you go with it. Um, and I, I just found it sort of so, like you said, it down to the celebrations, you know, we all get why they had to celebrate apart, but that seemed weird. Um, it was almost like the players were, to, to sort of use an analogy of like um, a celebration, we'll, we'll know well as Arsenal fans, when Dennis Bergkamp did the celebration of the hand over the face thing, it was almost a bit like that. Like the players were almost sort of embarrassed to sort of say, oh, I've scored a goal. Oh, God, I don't, I don't really know what to do. It just felt like, it just felt really strange. But as you said, Dortmund won 4-0 um, and a couple of standout performances. I want to give a little nudge to Rafa Guerrero. Um, not <laughs> waiting for that. Um, but yeah, I thought that was fantastic, particularly with Nico Schultz. Coming in as well and you know playing, but yeah, his performance he's 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 come good, hasn't he? At twenty six, I think he has. A, a, he's really found his role, and we I think we saw that from him previously when when people really sort of stand up and take note of him. Um, was it during the Euro or the yeah. World Cup? I can't remember. Yeah, I um, Euro, yeah, and then you you just see now how he's come on. He's he's so good going forward. He's um, his creativity out wide. You saw that for Portugal and everyone's finally realizing this. He actually has something. And now kind of a couple of years later, yeah. people are really seeing that consistency out of him. I think when he first came, you know, you could see what he, what he could bring to the table, but it was, it was a very bit part. He had to settle. Um, he was still trying to figure out his role. If he was going to be a normal traditional uh, left fullback or a uh, left wing back, um, you know, even left wing, you know, he could play further forward. Yeah. Um, if he really has to, um, but currently, uh, under this system, it's really bring out the best of all of his qualities, and I think he's meshed quite well with um, the likes of you know, Julian Bent and, um, and uh, Torgan Hazard, and he's, he's done really well. To, he's so good at overlapping, so good at playing balls in from deep. He's very good on set pieces as well, as you obviously would know. Mm. So I think this is one of those performances where he just took it by the reins, and then I think it's Dortmund are better for it with him, I think, for sure. Um, yeah. 
he, he, he was excellent. Um, and it's tough because there was a lot of other people. I mean, after I mentioned Brent, I thought Brent was phenomenal. Yeah, um, yeah. Torgan Hazard has come on quite well, and now people are seeing <laughs> why um, some say that he's naturally better than Eden Hazard, um, depending. Holland was, of course, as good as Holland was. Um, yeah, it's just an all-around good showing, um, but it helped because Schalke really were not we're not we're not good on the day. Um yeah, yeah, tactically, just completely tactically all over the shop, just organizationally from on down to the to pitch level wasn't very good. Um there just wasn't really any bite. And that almost kind of, it's kind of weird because you just see that again for a match of this level, they just didn't seem up for it. You know, yeah. they their energy levels also seemed quite low considered. Um and that's kind of what I was talking about before is that you're gonna it's very it's gonna be very, very hit and miss maybe for the next couple of weeks until everybody kind of gets up to scratch about where they need to be. Yeah. Um so it's unfortunate. <laughs> I'm happy yeah. there wasn't some sort of four four thriller personally, but <laughs> um and unfortunately um Schubert had a nightmare as well. Um I know he came with with some promises of Germany's international. Um, he made that move from Dinamo Dresden, but he was not good on the day either. Um, mm-hmm. And it just kind of shows there's a lot of kinks in his game where he needs to work out. And with uh, with Nubel leaving mm-hmm. um, in the summer, it's, he's going to have to fight out with Farman uh, unless they make another move for somebody else. So he, he's got his big shoes to fill and fill quickly. And this is kind of one of those moments where you think, you know, is he actually ready yet i think yeah. he's got, he has some promise and potential but for me i think he may be a couple of years off from that so that could be tricky for them as well but they'll be better days for Schalke for sure because isn't um didn't Far- farman went to norwich didn't he was that a loan yeah it's on loan yeah uh, okay yeah because i thought i thought at the time i thought that was a weird move because he consistently farman was with the quality keeper for Schalke yeah. last season whenever i saw him i thought that was a weird move with crawl being one number one at norwich so yeah with newell moving on you'd expect farman will come back and reclaim that spot you would think I would guess. Um, I guess it depends who's managing Schalke at the time, but yeah, it did seem like a weird, a weird one. Um, the other sort of topic, just on this game, that I did just want to bring up um, is is the hype train. Um, <laughs> Christ, <laughs> you're, you're a lot like me when it comes to this, um, whether it be a TV show or a footballer. The minute somebody starts hyping something, I immediately turn my nose up at it and go, "Well, I'm not going to bother with that then." Um, I speak, of course, of, of Erling Braut Haaland. Now, he's he's quite an, an interesting personality. Uh, a lot of people would have seen his interviews where he literally says nothing um, and <laughs> very uh, very much plays a, a character. It's a persona, I think. You know, he, he just says nothing. Um, that's fine. That's entertaining. You know, he's a young lad and, and the talent he's got is clearly there. You know, so we're not for a minute sitting here saying he's you know, not a brilliant footballer. He clearly is. But there is this sort of um, uh, th- this hype train for him that people, I think, are getting a little bit ahead of themselves. Would that be fair? I mean, he's come in and made a huge impression, but we're still early days, aren't we? It would be fair. And I mean, I'm with you. I think that he has the ingredients there to be, you know, the tip of the spear in terms of center forwards moving forward for the, for the next decade. Um, I think you're thinking about a young player who... He's tactically versatile. Um, for a player of his size, it's actually quite quick. Um, mm-hmm. His predatory instincts in the box are fantastic. I think you're looking at a player who can be, um, you know, people think that you know, I'm one of them. He has the potential to hit that, that Robert Lewandowski level of influence in terms of that position. But you already have people calling him a generational talent. That, for me, is the part that frustrates me. You cannot make the <laughs> assumption statement after what is essentially 
two seasons of, of, of playing football at a, at a solid level with, with, um, with Salzburg and then now at a very good level in Bundesliga with Dortmund. Um, and it's all well and good about what he brings to the table, but this is kind of the same discussion that we had with about Aubameyang as well when he was at Dortmund before he went to Arsenal. It's that you're looking at a player who, for all his very good qualities, he does suit what Dortmund do tactically right to the ground, and he fits perfectly into system around a host of creative players who are experts at getting someone the ball into into key danger areas. Like you said, you have Brandt, Hazard, Marco Weiss, they're all right behind him. Even Axel Witzel has deep creativity in him. You have, you know, Michael who also can, can pick a good pass. You have all these players who, if they see that pass, if they see that run, they'll hit you with it. So, um, and with Obama, it was much the same thing in a lot of different respects. So, um, obviously, when the chances fall to you, you have to put them away. And, and he has some brilliant solo individual efforts as well. It's not just down to who's around him. He himself has done brilliantly on his own in, in key scenarios, too. So you, you really can't speak against that. But one of the things I always say is that the players around you will absolutely lift you up. You know, and, and um, I always kind of uh, talk to my brother, but it's my brother is football for me is basketball for my brother. And Michael Jordan was my brother's favorite player. Like when we were growing up, Jordan was in his prime playing. But anybody who really knows basketball will tell you that Jordan would not have been able to accomplish what he did without someone like Scottie Pippen. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no way. And no matter how good he was, even the best players need very good players around them, need elite level players around them. Messi has that in spades. Ronaldo always had that. Even if you look further back, you know, Marco Van Basten had that whenever he was at club level internationally. You had all these brilliant players, always had other brilliant players around them. And that certainly helps lift you up a little bit. So it's kind of, um, it's kind of hard to think, you know, at, at what point in his career, Holland's going to get to the level where it's going to be undeniable that he is arguably the best enough forward in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if he continues on the track he's on, I think it won't be too long before we see that. If, if you're thinking maybe another two, three years, and by that time he'll be, what, 22, 23 years old, um, done developing most of his, his physical development will be usually done by then. So you'll kind of see him in his that that period of right before you hit your prime playing years. So you'll see then where he at, where he's at. And the question though is, there's a lot of links with you know Real Madrid wanting to come in for him after next season, and and maybe luring Dortmund to deal losing uh, using Luka Jovic um, as yeah. kind of a make weight. Um, I think that'll be kind of a test because Jovic was absolutely brilliant at Andre Kramer, but he couldn't settle at Real Madrid. No matter how good he was on an individual level as a young player, he hasn't settled in Madrid. Um, and now people all of a sudden almost forgot that he existed. So while I, I don't know who, <laughs> who necessarily is the better player per se, but that's a good example. It's very yeah. easy to hype young players when they play well. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything. There's a lot of football to be played. He has a lot of development to do. We don't know how he's going to get on, so yeah. we'll have to you see. almost want to you almost want to see his trajectory go in the sort of the Mbappe way, isn't it? You know, move yeah. from Salzburg, the, the equivalent of Monaco, to Dortmund, the equivalent of PSG, and then you almost want to see him play out a solid one or two seasons at Dortmund and really hone his craft. Like, because the fear would be current events, notwithstanding, where transfers are probably going to be a lot less or a lot, you know, a lot less uh, expensive this summer. But you you could foresee. Uh, particularly, like you said, a Real Madrid who just buy into the hype train of going, well, let's pay £50 million for him straight away, and then he become a massive flop and not go anywhere. Um, his his style, in theory, should suit Bundesliga in, in, in the way he is. 
is just whether he continues to develop or almost buys into his own hype. He does seem like quite a grounded guy, in fairness. But he he, he does, but and, and that's also a fair point you've brought up. A lot of young, we've seen it before. I think all of us have seen it before. Countless examples of young players who think too high of themselves too early. In fact, someone that will be close to Lana's heart, Memphis Depay, is a prime example. He was brilliant mm -hmm. at, at PSV. He jumped to, and, and, he, and played quite well for the Netherlands as well. He went to United and it, it all fell apart for him. And some would say that maybe he wasn't ready. Some would say that maybe it was down to a tactical level why he didn't succeed. But the fact was he didn't succeed. In fact, he was actually quite poor for United. He had one or two moments where he was very good, but overall it just didn't hit for him. And then he needed sort of a, a wake up move, if you will. And, and Leon actually fit him very, very well. He's gone there and now he's kind of rebranded as I mentioned, he's done well again. So um, I think that's another good example. Yeah, um, you know, just to, to putting everything in one bag too soon. That's not how like professional sports work. So no, no, true. We'll true. Have to see. It does. Um, it does transition us nicely into because I do want to look at a couple of the other sort of big name teams in Bayern Munich. Of course, are the the table toppers, and um, they went to Union Berlin and won two 0 Lewandowski with a penalty, and my old friend Benjamin Pavar with a goal as well. Um, but there is another another talent that is um, that is grabbing the headlines in 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 Bayern. Uh, or in Munich, I should say, and, and that's Alfonso Davies. And again, another example of a player who's, to be fair to him, worked his ass off um, since coming over from Canadian football. Um, where is I think was he at Montreal Impact? I, uh, I thought Vancouver Whitecaps. Well, Whitecaps, you're right. Yes, you're right. Whitecaps. Um, he he signed obviously for Bayern Munich as a left winger. Uh, as an attacking player, and he's kind of rebranded himself into this sort of left back. And by and large, I think he's done very, very well. Um, but again, there's there's the comparisons coming out um, of of him being one of the best left backs in the world, and I'm, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with that because I don't really feel like he's been tested at the top level in that position too many times yet. Um, but at the same time, credit where credit's due, he's he has certainly thrived under the new management at Bayern Munich and, and the Hansi Flick and under their new style of football as well. I mean, I agree with you. Um, I think he has done very well. I, I don't think you can speak against that. Evans sort of does speak for itself. But again, this is kind of why I wanted Josh on this podcast, because Josh and I were speaking briefly about it in a, in a group chat a couple of days ago. And then Josh brought up a very good point, which one I agree with. He's, a, he's in a Bayern team where... Again, you know, Bundesliga is a top quality league for me, but Bayern are a level above. You know, if you look at the the, the, the ability that that club has, the continuity, um, Hansi Flick has done incredibly well um, to sort of push them forward after <laughs> after sort of the managerial debacle previously. Um, but if you look look at the players who are around him, you have you know Thiago um, is is not too far away from him. He has, who for me has been the best left back in Bundesliga for the last six, seven years, however many years, David Alaba is transitioned to left center back and you have someone of, of Alaba's look sitting right next to him, whispering in his ear, helping him along every step of the way. And yes, it also does help that week in, week out, Davies isn't going to be tested at left back as you're going to be. If, if he was a player who was playing at this level while playing at a club like Union Berlin, then you'd have to say it's hard to really think that, you know, there's not much about the player, but he's in a Bayern team that are set up very, very well. Defensively, they're very, very stout as always. Um, they integrated him incredibly well as well, but also they highlight his strengths moving forward. He has incredible pace, um, and, and that's something you can't teach. And they've brought that out of him, and they've used it tactically to their advantage. And you saw it against Berlin uh, uh, at the weekend, his recovery pace to get back 
when Union thought they were clear on goal out of nowhere, he just turned up and simply dispossessed. Um, I think it was um, Ingbertson, I can't remember correctly, but I think that's who it was. Um, and everyone's lauding him for his ability, but the thing is, <laughs> recovery pace isn't doesn't mean you're a good defender, it means you're quick. Mm. And throughout, you know, you can look back 30, 40 years at other examples of, and even to this day, it's very easy to transition a left winger into a left back, especially if you're thinking of a, a, a wing back who wants to go forward constantly and tactically if that's what you're trying to achieve. It's easy for that. You know, you can almost sometimes kind of say, you know, don't worry about the defensive aspect because we have that covered tactically. And that's why something like Alaba suits um, the system that they're trying to instill or that they have instilled. And again, you have other players that the team that do very, very well positionally to cover ground that he might leave behind. Um, so it's easy to keep him um, covered from exposure. Um, yeah. And again, Bayern is just that kind of team that they, they, they just pile pressure on. They'll constantly want to keep the ball. You know, so it's easy to not be exposed in that, in that system. But again, that said, um, I think he has done well. But when you have someone like, and this is probably no surprise to you or I or anybody else really who, who would have known who he is, but when someone like Grant Wall is saying that, you know, how or how long until Alfonso Davies is considered the best left back in the world, that sort of grinds my gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. For similar reasons as to why, you know, people frustrate me when they're talking about Holland. Um, it doesn't mean he won't get there. It doesn't mean he doesn't have the tools to get there. It means that he's not there yet, and it's going to take a, a, a lot more scenarios he has to put himself through mm-hmm. before you can possibly say that. And certainly, you know, I forget how many appearances he's made this season. Um, I want to say uh, 13 or 14. I can't. I honestly can't remember without looking it up. Um, and certainly, again, he's just not going to be tested the same if, mm-hmm. if, if he's coming from a different club. So... There's a lot. I think there's a lot to him, but he also has a lot to grow. So, um, yeah. and for all we know, when when Bayern are done with their, they have massive injury issues in the team, which is the reason why he got his chance in the team in the first place. It's the reason yeah. why Alaba was left back, regardless. Yeah. Um, without those opportunities, would he have still broken through? That's one question you have to ask yourself. Yeah. Um, we'll just have to see when everyone's fit and firing. The question will be now: Will he keep his place? Will he be dropped? That's going to be the debate for Flick. Um, I think I'll actually. I think he will keep his place, but only because he's earned it, not because he's necessarily better than other players in, 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 that, in that position. But you don't drop a young player who's playing well just because everybody's fit now. If he's earned it, he has to yeah. lose it again, and he'll have yeah. to fight for it. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And um, I mean, I mean, uh, as you say, I think they, they just casually slid past Union Berlin. It didn't seem like they were at top level, but they didn't really feel like they needed to be. Yeah. Um, one club that certainly weren't at their top level. Um, I've got a bit of a soft spot for for Freiburg, and and RB Leipzig um, hosted Freiburg at the weekend and only came out with with a draw, one one, um, thanks to Paulson's equaliser. They also conceded in the last minute, but it's ruled out for VAR. Um, this will be a bit of a, a wake up call, maybe for for um, for Leipzig. I mean, they went into the I was going to say the break then. It's not a break at all, is it? But they went into the the, the postponement period um, having smashed Spurs, which, you know, fair enough. Um, less said the better. But they, um, they were in really top gear scoring. I think they were averaging four goals a game. They come back from this uh, this situation. It's now technically three straight draws, if you include the two before this all went off. And they're now down to fourth. But it, yeah, it's a good point for Freiburg, but not a result I saw coming. Is is it a little bit, not wheels coming off, but maybe teams are working them out a little bit, maybe? I'm not even sure if it's necessarily that, because uh, they still created more than enough chances to, to, to take all three points. I just think maybe we'll, we'll know after next weekend, depending yeah. on if their performance improves. But I think for me, I think it's a lot of just a lot of rust. 
Um, I mean, they four times the amount of uh, chances created over Freiburg. When you see that kind of statistic, you, you have to think that maybe the Orbeal just weren't firing on the day. Um, and certainly their forwards played relatively well enough. Um, but Freiburg are, are tricky. You know, it's... Um, Strike has done incredibly well with them as well. You know, they're sitting in, in with a chance to, to get Europe next season. Um, and considering um, how well drilled they are, you know, I, I think credit where it's due. Um, if you go away from home to a place like RBL and you get a point, um, you, you have to sort of tip your hat to it. But I do think Nagelsmann will be incredibly disappointed because I do think that he'll feel like they would have done enough. I think a lot of the players would have back up the same. Um, with that said, though, you know, that Billy Orban didn't start. Um, Konate didn't start. Makano wasn't available through suspension, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. um, <laughs> three of their top level center backs weren't even playing. But despite that fact, you know, they still didn't give up a host of chances either. So, I do think there was enough for them to, to really get the three points. But I just don't think they were firing on the day. For me, I think that's kind of, um, I would boil it down it in simplest terms to that um, without going into like uh, another rant or a great amount of detail. Um, but you still, you still have to look at it and say that I think he's he's got a real playing quite well. Nagelsmann. Um, the question for me is if they do, if they do lose Timo Werner, how they're going to cope with that and rebound, and, and what they're going to look like tactically next season without him. How he's going to reject that? But that's something Nagelsmann will be used to. Um, yeah. He's going to deal with that constantly. Uh, Hoffenheim before, so I don't know. That, that's just kind of a moving forward question that we can all think about, think about in the coming weeks and months, potentially depending on what happens. He's making plenty of noises, Timo, isn't he? Certainly yeah. um, fl- fluttering his eyelids at, at Liverpool. I mean, it's clear he wants to go to Liverpool. I think he's made that ab- abundant. Like no one, <laughs> there's no question about it where he wants to be, really. Um, yeah. what, for, for, you know, rightly or wrongly, how he's handled that is, um, is a different question. But um, yeah. I wonder if that move will depend on a certain Roberto Firmino ending up in, Mun- in Munich. That's what I wonder if that might be. Mm a little link to that where the one goes and then the other one goes and that moves around. Cause at the moment, Liverpool probably can't afford to have him. I mean, I'm not when I can't, I think I always think Timo Werner's wasted wide. I just think he's better as a, yeah. either a 10 or a forward. Um, and I just don't see where he plays in Liverpool's front three <laughs> at the moment. I mean, you would argue he's probably better than Firmino in terms of technical ability as a goal scorer, but Firmino does a brilliant job to support Salah and Mane. So I don't really know where he would fit, but, that's why I'm not Liverpool's manager, I suppose. <laughs> um, another team that were very impressive on the day, um, they've leapfrogged uh, RB Leipzig into third is Borussia Mönchengladbach. And um, they are they're quietly having a very good season. Maybe not quietly anymore. Um, first minute goal from Alisson Player. I'm quite a big fan of, not just because he's French, of course, but uh, he's taken to that league very well, as indeed has Marcus Turan, who got second seven minutes. Um, Renzo Benzabayani, another former France um, France or French league player. He's had a, a terrific season as well as a kind of a left wing back. Um, late goal from Adrian Silva, Paul went back for Frankfurt. But Gladbach, are, um, they're, they're very impressive, aren't they? They're, they just seem like a, a very well-drilled, very well-organised team. And they kind of blew Frankfurt away, who, I mean, that they are flying down the table, as you speak. That's four straight defeats. They're down to 13th. They've got to be a little bit careful looking over their shoulder all of a sudden. They do, and I think that's I mean, one of the examples of when you lose some of your big players, and I don't think they really replace them as they should have. Um, I think that's kind of, I just think it, it made a real big impact, and I think um, 
you can't really speak against what Adi Huder has done with them, obviously, but I f- like this. This is somewhat lacking quality in certain areas with with Eintracht, especially for me creatively. I think they they lack in a big way. Um, so enough to constantly get the results that you would need against um, some of the clubs you're coming up against. Um, so no, I don't. I, again, but an off day, and you're not, you're not going to know how they're going to respond for another couple of weeks. Um, that's probably something we're, we're going to keep saying, but. For a side who did so well in the Europe in the uh, Europa League, you know, in the not too distant, uh, not too distant past, this is kind of a maybe shot in the arm a little bit. I, I don't think they're going to end up being relegated, but certainly when you when you look at the fact that they've only picked up one result in their last five, you know, they've lost four on the spin. That is for sure concerning, um, especially when they're sitting below teams like Union Berlin and 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 Cologne who just came back up. Um, you know, maybe even Freiburg, who I think are playing above their means for now. You know, you, you're not going to be if you if you're a Frankfurt supporter, you're kind of in a little bit of a concern considering you're only sitting was it five points out of the uh, relegation playoff spot at the moment. So, um, but credit is due to Gladbach. I think um, Michael Owens has done very well with them. <laughs> Again, um, you you look at the numbers. One of the third best defensive record in the league. They don't score as oh, as much as the teams around them. Obviously, I think both Dortmund and Bayern have scored over 20 goals more than they have. Um, Leipzig have scored over 10 uh, more than them as well. So, but I think the thing I like about Gladbach is they're balanced. I think from um, in terms of how they deploy tactically to the way they sort of um, shuffled around their, their starting 11, I think it's one of the more balanced sides in the league. Um, you can't look at them and say they have a ton of weaknesses, um, but they don't have enough strengths to really, I think, I don't think they'll really, really challenge, you know, um, Bayern and Dortmund moving forward. But um, I think they have enough to, to get champions for sure. I know that John will be happy about that, hmm. no, no doubt. Um, but yeah, I think Rosa deserves a lot of credit, but he's another, another one who <laughs> fans have definitely hyped up quite, quite yeah. a bit. Big time, yeah. Um, yeah he's, he's definitely being tipped for like big jobs, isn't he? That's, he that's is. been very apparent. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, I don't. It's it's not because he's not capable. It's just because it's a lot of managers. Can, the same thing with players. A lot of managers and players can come in and in the first year have like that purple patch and and just do everything right. You know, it's almost like in, in a bit of clairvoyance, if you will. And then the next season, the wheels kind of fall off. We've seen that from managers in recent history, very, very recent history as well. A brilliant season, and all of a sudden, everything comes crashing down the next. So I don't know if that's that, – I don't think that's going to be necessarily his track, but I think he's done one look at his team and, and know how to set it up. Um, I, th- I like that he's getting a lot of industry out of Breland Bolo, whose career was really stagnant at Schalke after he moved from Basel. Yeah, um, so that's a bit good to see. Um, Jonas Hoffman has done much much better un- under him than we've seen him, and he's finally showing a bit of um, what people thought they were going to see out of him when he was at Dortmund, and they didn't really get a chance to. So that's quite nice to see as well. Um, so yeah, I, I just feel like I, th- I don't know. I think they're deserving of Champions League. I just I just don't know if they're at the level people where people think that they can consider them true challengers but again they're only sitting six points off Bayern and you know there's eight matches to go so anything is possible um certainly they could catch Dortmund they could they could pull away from Leipzig depending so um yeah. it's, it's gonna be interesting I, I like the fact that the you know for the second to fifth is only separated by four points I'm quite a fan of that this season as well which is the usual so 
it's yeah, good, good season for for uh, yeah. Gladbach would be Champions League football for sure, and that would be a, a step forward definitely. I do want to have a look at the teams down the bottom end, sort of as a whole. Um, my lads Paderborn um, a <laughs> draw, unfortunately, and they're still um, not cut adrift, but certainly not in a great spot. I mean, five points from sa- uh, six points from safety at the moment, or from that relegation spot. Um, but the, the name that jumps out down there is Werder Bremen, who are second bottom, so not even in the playoff spot. They are, as it stands, heading for Bundesliga 2, um, which is a massive fall from grace for them. They they lost uh, to Bayer Leverkusen and Kai Havertz inspired by Leverkusen on, on Monday. Um, also teams down there, Fortuna, Dusseldorf, Mainz, Augsburg, we mentioned Eintracht Frankfurt, Union Berlin, just above that. Um, but yeah, I mean, any any of those clubs jump out at me? I suppose I suppose Werder Bremen is the team really to look at. I mean, what what is has gone so wrong there to to be so far down the table? I knew they were struggling this year, but even I was quite shocked when I saw how badly they were doing. I mean, they were hit by a huge injury bug first half of the season that really didn't help. Um, but it's just for me, it's just been they've been so. It's not just inconsistent. They've just been poor in a lot of areas, and they're just not getting the goals. First and foremost, you know, I think they have the if they don't have the worst goal record in the league, I think it's uh, only Dusseldorf who best them there. I think if I'm not if I'm not wrong, um, but also defensively, it's just not been good. And and as good of a manager that Florian Kofeld is, and I think that he's kind of one of those new breed of managers, similar to to Nagelsmann. They have a very similar managerial education. A lot of the principles kind of a, a little bit of the same, like sort of young players. These are all good things, but I don't know if he truly wants to play football. I don't know if that suits Bremen. I think you're seeing that that clash a little bit. Um, I think he has a lot of the pieces to, to put it through, but I don't know if those are pieces that he can really rely on, again, consistently. Um, you know, and, uh, and then now they're the thinking about... Uh, there's links with Milo Bashika leaving in the summer. That's going to be a huge blow as well. He's been probably their only real creative outlet, consistent outlet this season. It's been him. Um, leads the club in goals. Pretty sure he leads the club in assists as well this season. Um, yeah, so for me, I just think it's just they're, they're not there yet. And I think it was too much too soon in terms of how maybe what he wanted to instill with the club. I don't know if um, it wasn't like a gradual build with kind of what he wanted to achieve on the pitch. It was more of kind of like, this is where we need to be as quickly as possible. I, I, I don't think that was the right way to go. I think you're kind of seeing that this season. Um, again, despite how, how good he is, maybe mentally as a manager, I, I don't think he has the, the tools available to him to really put forth what he wants to do. Um, and certainly, Bremen do not have the cash to, to fund getting the player. In a big, big, big way. Um, that's certainly not going to help. So I think they're going to be they're going to fall behind a little bit, but with that by default. Um, so yeah. and they they're going hmm? to they can't defend. Come in, that's the big thing. I'm no, they also, they also can't defend. But I also think that's maybe you could say maybe it's down a little bit down to the quality that they have available to them mm-hmm. I mean, defensively. Really, not very good um, in comparison to maybe even some of the clubs around them who, on paper, have, have, have decent defensive options, but they just can't get it done on the pitch. Mm. I think Bremen does not have the players available to be able to defend very well. Um, and sometimes no amount of drilling and well structuring, well structuring your team. Sometimes that's just not enough. Yeah. Um, maybe a bit of tactical imbalance in midfield as well. Sometimes I think trying to rejig that has, has sort of <laughs> presented other problems, trying to fix one problem has begotten another problem. 
Yeah. So, yeah, it's just it's just a mess for them. They're almost relying on the idea that the two other clubs will be worse than them this season. And as I say, Paderborn, unfortunately, it does look like a return to the second division is likely. And then you've got clubs like Augsburg and Eintracht Frankfurt, whose form is is through the floor and, and are falling. So you, they would just be hoping, I guess, that, that they will get enough points to sneak out. Um, but as we saw with Hamburg previously, that doesn't always work. Um just in terms of the chase at the top end, uh, there is a, a quite a gap, 11 points in, in this case, between sixth and fifth. But two of the form sides in, in, the, uh, in the Bundesliga, sort of, again, allowing for the break in, uh, of everything that's gone on with COVID. But Wolfsburg and Leverkusen, as you just mentioned, two really sort of uh, impressive sides who, who've been out of the limelight for the longest times and uh, are slowly rebuilding, particularly Wolfsburg. I mean, they won at the weekend away at Augsburg and um, they, every time I've watched them I don't know what it is it's something about something about them impresses me I don't, I, I'm not even quite sure what that is but um, any team that can get the best out of their course is probably doing something right but um, what have you made of, of Leverkusen and, and Wolfsburg's kind of re, restructuring of their size and, and return to form because they've, they've been much better this year yeah but, but like, Leverkusen are tricky like they've they've always usually had players available to them to, to really sort of put themselves in a conversation yearly about getting Champions League football. Certainly, if not Champions League football, then, um, then Europa League. Um, they have a, a brilliant bunch. They've got a lot of good young players there. Um, I mean, it really has, obviously, everyone talks about Kai Havertz and how good he has performed his uh, flexibility tactically. You know, you've got a player who can play as a 6, as an 8, as a 10, as a centre-forward can even be chucked out wide in the pinch if you really need it when you're doing a flat four midfield. So when you have a player like that, you can build your nucleus around. You know, and he's only 20 years old. It's actually quite impressive. But Kevin Vollen's done quite well, I think. And he's now earned himself the moniker of another player linked with Arsenal. So good on you, Mr. Volland. Um But Musa Diaby's come on quite well. I, th- I know you'll be happy about that. Another uh, French player, oh, Tony nice. Bits, he's done very well. Um, but yeah, those younger players... I think that they're trying to turn up. Uh, Top Silva is another one who has been very, very, very good. Um, and again, he's, he's come out of relative obscurity um, in a way. Not many people would have heard of him until he made that move. And he's really hit the ground running. Um, I think um, getting the, the Bender brothers, trying to keep them fit, healthy for once in their careers, has, has, that's been a real key leadership and experience ingredient to a core of a team that's actually quite young. Um, Aaron Geese has been very good as well, um, just in terms of being able to be that midfield pit bull and that dino that they kind of need to where he's now earned links to bigger clubs as well. Um, I think if you, uh, if you, again, it's, 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 there's a balance to them, but also in that balance, they have, there's a lot of expression. I, mean, I think you're getting in that all these the younger footballers coming through now, especially in, whether if they're German or not um, in Germany, that they have loved to express themselves. I think they finally have all, enough of that about them, I think, to, to really find a better balance. And for me, I think when we think back to previous seasons where we saw them struggle, I think they lacked a lot of balance. I thought you'd say that they could, they could attack very well or in moments they could defend, but they could never do both. And I think you would always think about how they would just get run through in midfield and the balance was off. And then it's just one domino would always fall after the other with them. But I think for once you're finally seeing sort of you know, bearing the fruits of, of the work that they have done. And credit to uh, Peter Bosch. The, 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 he's, he's done very well with them. And you know, despite the um, his struggles at, at Dortmund, I do think that 
Um, he's got them playing the type of football and utilizing the, the, the right core of players to, to, to maybe get them back into Europe consistently year in, year out. Because again, even when they lose Huffers, you have to think about Leverkusen as a team who has the ability um, and talent available to really sort of push themselves forward. And I think that's important for them. I just wanted to get your your overall kind of we, we've touched on the, the lack of atmosphere. We've touched on the situation in terms of we both agree that it seems strange that the, the football was back in in the Bundesliga and back full stop. But moving forwards, do you see this being a situation where obviously the testing will continue? We're still going still to have a lot of distancing. We're still not going to have fans. We know, We know that. But do you sort of feel moving forwards that, that normality will begin to, to kick in for, for the Bundesliga now and the season will ultimately get completed? I mean, everyone's talking about how the fact that, you know, through player testing, that, you know, that there's not a big concern for the Bundesliga right now. I mean, that's all well and good, but <laughs> it's, it's funny to me that no matter what we've seen come out of, of this period with COVID, about unexpected turns. We, we don't really know much. We're trying to learn as we go and then adapt our approach depending on the, find, the things that we find out. For all we know, within two weeks, those low testing numbers could skyrocket. We don't know this yet. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, you take it by a week by week basis for me. If every week, you know, the numbers keep staying as they are and it, it, it is safe for players to play, I think they'll continue. I think they'll go through with it. I, I, it's, it's still going to be a very weird experience. Um, watching any football without one of the key ingredients, if not the key ingredient to the game, is, is fans around the game. So that's that's a bit odd for me. But if they can guarantee the safety, then I think they'll do it. No, I, I just it's just going to be so weird. Again, it's good to see some football again. Obviously, I think we all were going a bit stir crazy in terms of not having, I, I would say, any of us who are this passionate about it use football as almost like an outlet in a way. Like I had a rough week, you know, at work potentially. Like you know, I can't wait to watch my club play. That's kind of like you know where you see yourselves. It's like you find you enjoy the community, you enjoy chatting about it with your friends, and this kind of thing. I think people did miss that in a way. I think the clamor was born out of just that desire to have some semblance of normalcy in people's lives. Again, I can understand that. Um, but as well, for me, my concern but only ever as someone who was a coach is, is the safety of the players. If the players can be safe, if the staff can be safe, um, if the uh, managers can be safe, if anyone involved with the, the dawn, dawn, day to day going to the club is going to be safe, then if they can do it, then I'm not going to speak against that aspect. It's just for me, it's just very weird whole scenario is, is weird isn't it and yeah. and your thoughts uh, just sort of away from Bundesliga we had um, uh, six confirmed cases in, in the UK or in England I should say in, in terms of Premier League footballers do you still see money being ultimately what will be responsible for the Premier League returning to action I mean Josh made a good point yesterday in our group that six out of the 700 odd tests or whatever is actually quite low but on the same, the same or flip side, I would say six is six too many um, for me personally. But money ultimately, do you think, will be the, the breakdown of the Premier League returning? I think it will. And I think money is, for me, was the main driving factor. why Bundesliga had to come back again because of the TV revenue that clubs just need, really needed. I don't think the Premier League needs the money in the same way. Um, there's more money in, in England than there is in Germany, particularly at a certain level. But... I think when you have commitments to, to sponsorships, to TV rights, with the amount that players get paid in England, you, you do need some semblance of um, money coming in to be able to afford doing everything. So I think it will come back. I don't know. I don't know when it doesn't. I mean, 
by, by the looks of it, by what I know, but it seems like we're maybe only a couple of weeks away from it coming back. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. But I can also see your point. Like, six can turn into 20, which can turn into 50, which can turn, you know what I mean? Like, it can, it can exacerbate and it can just keep expounding on itself if, if you're not careful with it. So, if, if players test positive, they have to take the utmost precautions in dealing with the fact that six players tested positive. I, I think Josh is right to say that, you know, six out of almost 800 players is an incredibly low number. And that could be seen as a sign of encouragement. But it can also be seen as, well, if six players have it and they just got tested in two weeks, players who didn't have it could then test and end up having it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, or even less than, even less than two weeks. You never know whenever symptoms start to expose themselves. So that's going to be the tricky part of it is, is to really manage. Once you know a player or players have it, you've got to do whatever you must to make sure that they, you can limit exposure of other players to those players that have it, um, as long as it's not too late. But for some, it might end up being too late. Next week, yeah. we might have more more tests and more cases, so we'll have to just see. But um, yeah, I just I see both sides of the argument. But again, I'm not in the medical field. I only know you know what I read or what I'm told or what I'm or what I research. You know what I mean? So if they really feel like the risk is worth the reward, then they're going to go ahead. And I do think the, the money will drive it, and I think the, the, the powerful money men behind that will certainly do what they can to, to get things back to what they feel is normal. Yeah. Money, money talks at the end of the day, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Fortunately, that's not the case with this podcast um, because <laughs> we don't make any money, so uh, we will just continue talking full stop. Um, but yes, we're we're. I think we the, the plan will be to uh, to do a couple more specials individually, as we've done today, and um, I think probably we'll utilise you a fair bit in, in the coming weeks because obviously Bundesliga is is up and running, so we will continue to cover that. And and when we have a, a group sort of discussion with everybody on the pod again. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how many leagues follow the German model, if you will, in terms of how they bring their leagues back. Because certainly it does seem like a lot of leagues have sat back and gone, well, we'll sit back and see how Germany do and then we'll make our decisions. So it'll be very interesting to see what comes of it um, moving forward. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep tabs on that and um, and see what gives. But uh, yeah, that's good. That's, that's good stuff. It's been good to have you back, Andrew. And um, now you can have a nice relaxing afternoon without having to to worry too much about uh running uh, running around and and um panicking too much it's, it'll be nice to have a nice afternoon i mean I, it's, it's it's weird like it's just going on like the day-to-day it's it's weird not having to worry about things like going, is, to, yeah. going to work and not fucking going anywhere like I'm, i have a lot of friends who either live in europe or live in the u.s in less populated areas and they're always with pictures like yeah like josh like josh went for a bike ride that's fantastic like i'm really happy josh got to go out but josh also lives in the middle of nowhere <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know, I, and you like you live in plymouth so it's obviously it's just there's just fewer instances of you running into people you can can do things like have your daily because you don't have to worry about something like that nature but like even where i live in, in new york city i live in the city limits but i live in an area that's very it's just more suburban. It's less populated. Like I don't live in Times Square, for example. Everyone who thinks yeah. so you're from New York, they think you live in Times Square. But you don't yeah. live in Times Square. So yeah, it's just it's just weird not being able to do even just the little things. Like if I wanted to go have a, a beer with a friend right now, I wouldn't even do it. Yeah. I can, you know, it's just even if things were open, I still wouldn't do it. Yeah. So it's just you know, just you take it a day at a time, and you try to make the best of it. So I, what I would say is the good thing about football being back is I can at least watch it instead of just playing Football Manager. <laughs> 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 
yeah, enjoy it from home kind of thing. Yeah, this yeah. is something to watch. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and of course, give it a week before we're all sick of the amount of people who are on Twitter telling us their new German team that yeah. they've adopted. Um, yeah, that's the only downside, isn't it? Everyone's suddenly <laughs> become a German football expert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll stick to the ones I know. I think that's the best way forward. But. Um, <laughs> No, it's been good. Uh, we will, we will of course, catch up again um, with you. But also, I want to thank you for, for coming on today and being a part of this pod. And uh, yeah, we, we, we will certainly have you back on when we're in a group setting again. And and let's see where things go. So um, yeah, thank you very much for coming on today. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, thanks for having me as always. Good stuff. And, and thank you to our listeners. Uh, just to give you an idea of, of what we've got coming up, uh, I'll be doing a sit down with uh, with Lana next. That's the plan. So we'll talk all things Italian football and how things are happening in Serie A. Uh, and then we'll also have a one on one with Joel coming up in terms of what things are going on in Spain. Uh, that's probably likely to be next week, I'd imagine, with that one. And, uh, and then we'll have a group setting where we can all sit down together and do things again but uh, until that time um, thank you very much for, t- for tuning in as always if you've got any feedback or if you want anything specifically covered or want us to discuss anything let us know um, we're staying under the kind of the ABW banner so just tweet us um, sort of individually or or via the ABW podcast and we will do our best to make things happen but uh, until then uh, keep your beard strong and your biases trendy and, uh, and all things German uh, keep enjoying your German football until we've got some more back uh, but my thanks to Drew and uh, my thanks to you listeners for tuning in and we will speak to you very soon